culture. A pretty heavy topic as we've had a pretty heavy and amazingly huge week. So it's just creating a healthy narrative and a safe place for us to talk together about a narrative of healing. We've had so many people feeling upset this week on every possible side of the issue of race relations amidst COVID. And as this is a marriage podcast, I couldn't help but be reminded of systems. And especially because that was my focus in my master's degree, because I recognize we're all part of a bigger system. And I really, really think that change comes through systems. So I'm super proud and amazed that so many people all over America and the world have been doing such great things to get people changing, to get people moving, to get people most of all feeling heard. And that's been such a big theme. And that just made me so happy just from, as I said, even knowing what systems can do when they work together and through the marriage and trauma research that I've done, it's everything to feel heard first. So today I want to talk to you about what it's going to take for us as couples to get to a better place of healing. And we can also work that in as a culture, but it's not my specialty to do culture and systems analysis from that huge perspective. But I do think that it really does cross over beautifully to say these tips are absolutely wonderful for all of us to be trying to do there too. So I'm excited about that and also really excited for you to find marriage healing this week. Because let's face it, you and your spouse are even different people from each other. And I know that's how Wes and I are. We're we're very similar in so many ways and we have so many similar values, but we're actually one of those couples on the Enneagram and in life that really do not cross at every line of connection. So we're a good example if you're somebody who's saying, oh, my spouse and I aren't exactly the same politically or in faith or with different issues that we have going on because that's reality for a lot of people. And that's why on this podcast, I really try to be generous and gentle about those differences when they're ethical differences, when it's not a hero villain thing. I'm not talking about racism. Obviously, that's a totally different topic and it's really, really broken. And we don't want that for any of your spouses. But I do want you to be mindful that even in the ways of processing and what we might want to do, make sure you understand that a lot of people process differently from you. So you have to be able to relate on a level of understanding that they have to process their way. You may say, I'm learning and listening and leaning in this week. And they may say, I'm in survival. I'm still really anxious about quarantine. I'm taking this all in one day at a time. So please try to remember that this is a very strange time in culture. And I've, of course, along with you, been really loving that post about what level of Jumanji we're in right now. But this is actually a time when I think sevens can take comfort in the sense of we love our reframes. And I feel like it's a really healthy reframe to say, wow, have we seen big changes come through this tragedy. So I keep having to remind myself, sit with the anger, sit back with it. Don't leave it too quickly because it's trauma and trauma needs to be seen and heard and and listened to. And I really am leaning in and listening as well. And I'm so glad to be doing that with, I've noticed such a beautiful Enneagram community because I've really been enjoying those dialogues. Even when somebody on an account and I have something we're not exactly eye to eye on, 
we really love each other. We're all doing the same thing. We're awkwardly walking forward, having the conversations we need to. And I'm having those conversations increasingly with clients too. So it makes me feel really good. I shared a podcast for those of you who are pastors and coaches and counselors also that I heard a couple of months ago, I think it was. But the podcast is really a good one called The Couples Therapist Couch. And it's episode 128, Race and Couples Therapy. So make sure you check that out if you are also like me working with people and you just want to make sure that you are addressing the things in the room that are the most important, which are the cultures and the ways that people relate to each other on every single level. And yes, that does include race. And it's a great topic to bring in because who's going to bring it in if you don't? So I know you're not all therapists and coaches, but I just wanted to make sure that I reminded you guys who are that that's a great ongoing conversation. And it's been a long time since I even heard that conversation in graduate school and in undergrad. So it was really good refresher for me. Uh, I think a lot of us are saying I've thought about some of these things at times or a lot of the time I've been teaching history from the past, like I said on the podcast last week, but what am I doing today to make sure that I am being a healthy part of our culture and bringing us forward and loving everybody the same. So in our marriages, one way we can do that is we can analyze how does healing a wound really happen and who's good at it because some of us are better than others and why is that? So we're first going to talk about what are the things that make people good at healing with trauma and with wounds in a marriage because we all if we're married long enough will have a time where we're wounded in our marriages it just will happen and when you have been cut really deeply why do some people get through it and others not as much so I'm going to give some encouraging tips to everybody so you too can get through the most difficult seasons and moments in your marriage when you have a deep wound and it's hurting and you don't know how to really heal from it and then we're going to talk about what to do if you or your spouse has an extreme reaction or response to their stress and that can create a wound in each other. So understanding how to deal with your own or your spouse's trauma, we're going to talk about that next. And then finally, we're going to talk about what everybody can specifically do. I have three tips that are going to really help you in your own marriage, whether you have a lot of trauma history together, whether you have a lot of attachment wounds or not. It's just an important few tips that every single couple needs so that you know just what to do when you're like, I'm stuck and I have this big thing and I can't get past it with my spouse. We call those attachment wounds in the therapy and coaching world. And these are going to help you to get through it so that you don't have to stay stuck forever together. So it's going to be huge and I'm excited for you to hear these. So one of the things I did this week was I analyzed why some people are better than others at healing trauma wounds or even sitting with people. It reminded me of a class I taught years ago with actually elementary students, and I always go way too high up on books with them. Because I think of the old days when people read books that were huge. And so I always give like fourth graders really hard books and then their parents are like, what are you doing? But then we get through it together and kid you not, these kids usually outshine me in their readership of the books. So I'm usually glad I did. And one of the books we attacked back in the day was The Prince and the Pauper by Mark Twain. And it was long and it was arduous, but we did it. And we had a class debate afterwards on the topic of whether a king should be able to rule 
if he has not or she has not had an experience with trauma. And the king in the story was, I believe, Henry VIII. And we had noticed that when the two boys were tricking each other and trying to do that whole parent trap thing where they were trading places, we noticed that the dauphin, the king's actual son, couldn't relate to the pauper's life. And we were saying, should anybody have a position of power when they can't relate to trauma? And so I researched from that angle, interestingly, this week, because it it comes to mind every once in a while in my sessions, just that kind of nagging feeling of if you haven't been through something, how do you relate? And a lot of the kids had made great points in that season and said, honestly, Jesus bore our pain and suffering. And that was really meaningful to us in our faith that we feel like God can relate with our suffering. And I thought that was a great analogy they made. And I think that's still very relevant. But I also want to say that sometimes when we don't relate to pain, it is harder. And that was my initial hypothesis. And the studies actually do show, and I'll tell you where I found them in case you want to look it up. But one of them was in a geriatric psychiatry magazine, February, 2015. It was a study on older adults in compassion. And Yes, traumatic events increase the risk of depression, but there's also evidence that adversity can lead to post-traumatic growth, including increased compassion and pro-social behavior. So that was a really cool study for me to read. And it was also really cool to read another study that you can find at, and I will leave it in the show notes, verywellmind.com on the five stages of grief and how you need the stages of anger and you need the stages of shock and bargaining and all the things we try to do with each other to come to that place of understanding. And when you haven't had a grief experience, when you haven't had something that brings out compassion, it's a lot harder for you to probably relate with a victim. And I think that's something for you to look at individually, both in your marriage as well as in the world, because maybe you're somebody who isn't as compassionate, but you haven't really experienced being prejudiced against, or maybe in your marriage, your spouse took it way harder than you because they were triggered by something, but they were also more compassionate to you when you had a difficult time. And I think we just need to define that compassion really looks like seeing from your spouse's perspective or another person's perspective and finding a way to show not just that you care and some sympathy, like here's some flowers. That's what some people think is enough. But to really show empathy means to lean in, to listen, all the things we're trying to do in culture. This is exactly what you do in marriage as well. When your spouse has issues, when they're feeling like I'm not being heard, I'm not being seen. And I know, yeah, some of you who have been through things are going to do that a little bit better. So that's a good piece of news, right? That we can actually say, Maybe there's something healthy about having gone through pain and trial. I also want to point you guys out to thehelpguide.org. It's a great resource for mental health because not only if you can see somebody else's pain point is that healthy, but if you can notice their PTSD as it comes on, sometimes we may say, how do we bring healing to a relationship? And I had this couple last night ask me this, when we have somebody getting really loud and their trauma is getting enacted and, you know, maybe you have had abuse in your past as a child or neglect or an adoption issue. There are actually some great trainings right now going on with the Karen Purvis Institute. So you can look that up too, if you need some trauma training that's free. But I want to let you know, really important is that you understand you can go to that website as well, helpguide.org, 
because sometimes you really do need to go and say, what can I do? Because we have an angry person. And I want you to know there are a couple of things I can teach you right here if you're trying to heal an attachment wound with your spouse, but they're not feeling up to par. And I talk about this all through my release book. So this is a very shortened version, but you want to watch for signs that they're angry, like clenching jaw and fists, getting louder and agitated. Take steps to diffuse the situation as soon as you see the initial warning sign. Trying to remain calm, even when they're having an emotional outburst. Giving them space. This is so huge for that pursuer and distance or chase I see going on with a lot of couples. So you want to definitely avoid crowding or grabbing the person. Can make a traumatized person feel threatened. Ask how you can help. What can I do to help you right now? Wow, I'm even thinking about these things when I think about George Floyd this week because having watched that video and I had watched somebody else say I couldn't breathe when I watched it and I just didn't think that was going to be my experience. But after watching him being crowded out for space and then watching the video for myself, his trauma had been so big that he had needed to lie down. And it was actually traumatizing. Even for me as a white person, I cannot imagine being a person of color watching. But I know that I want to tell you guys now, giving space is everything. Giving people time when they say, I'm claustrophobic, I'm having a moment because it really can be a traumatizing experience and a triggering experience. And we don't know one another's backstories fully. We can't judge. So please, please, please give them some space. And even just to caveat, don't watch that video if you struggle with PTSD because your PTSD symptoms can be enacted. So I want you to do the good things, but I want you to also take your mental health into consideration. You need to let people do their jobs who have the capacity to watch those videos. I know that some people need to watch the videos and even culturally feel they need to, whereas others say, no, it's too heartbreaking and I'm not going to watch it, but I am going to do something. So that's about that, but about your marriage, make sure that you're you're giving your spouse some space if they're in a traumatic place. Ask how you can help. And you can also suggest you take a timeout or they take a timeout and a change of scenery. Although I don't want you asking anyone in trauma to go drive. I would much rather you say, I'm going to go drive. And if they're going to chase you around on Life 360, I want you to say, I'm not going to be available for the next 30 minutes, but I'm going to be in a safe place and don't follow me. And I had a healthy couple mention that to me this week. It's really a matter of when a spouse gets agitated, they might feel like reaching out and like, oh no, please don't leave me. I need to follow you so that I can find my healing. And the better thing to do is to set the boundary, say I'm going to have to leave for a little while and I'm going to go take a drive or I'm not going to tell you where I'm going, like I said, because I know you need to calm down. Now, if somebody's at that place, really, I want them doing their work. And that's why they're doing counseling or coaching. And, and they're probably doing some trauma work. And they may have a medical provider, hopefully, working with them, too. So it's really important that you don't just say, oh, yeah, we're just going to take care of this at home. And our method for handling problems is that I have to leave every single day. So you do need to be addressing that with multiple systemic layers. But I just wanted you to have some questions answered because I know that that's going to be flooding through my DMs and email is what do I do if there's a lot of anger and I'm trying to heal a trauma? So I also want you to know that if you're the person who has trauma, another recovery tip for you is to get moving. Exercise that is rhythmic helps so much. You can also ask your spouse to rub your shoulders if you catch it early and you're not yelling at them. You could say, I'm starting to get super tense. Can we just put this conversation off and I need some time to walk or 
Can we massage each other and add a mindfulness element? Don't isolate because that's really important that you don't have to talk about the trauma, but that you don't stay alone too long if you're in trauma because that can actually make you feel worse and connecting with healthy and safe people can help you to feel better. So another place besides asking for support, obviously that I already said is getting social, balancing out your social and your self-preservation and your intimate subtype. Those are great things for you to remember. Oh, I need some one-on-one time. I need some time with friends, old friends, new friends, people that love me and know me that I have my ups and downs. You can join a support group for trauma survivors. There's more of these things online. But like I said, I just gave you that Karen Purvis recommendation for free trauma training. If you need that, you can watch it with your spouse or on your own. I think it's very helpful for couples who don't understand trauma to work with each other on it to say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. I thought you were, you know, not to be rude, but just a jerk. And they're like, no, I actually have trauma and here's my backstory and let's work on it together. That takes a lot for somebody to get to that place, but it's completely worth it. So I really think that the other thing you can do that's huge if you're the one with trauma is mindful breathing, sensory input, staying grounded, Allow yourself to to really just do the grounding tips I've been teaching for years with clients like I use the five senses, you know, look around and say, what's going on in my environment? What do I smell? What do I touch? Taste something, distract yourself, get some gum. Like I said, I think my favorite one, even personally, is to have my family rub my shoulders or do something physical to kind of snap me out of it. Of course, you know me, I go into my head. So whether you're in the head, heart, or body triad, try to keep mind of that. I also want you to make sure Whether you're somebody with a deep wound or your spouse has the deep wound or trauma, take care of your health, avoiding alcohol, drugs, sleep. I'm going to go ahead and give you that resource one more time so you can absolutely make sure you visit the site if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you've just described us. We need more. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. It's helpguide.org and it's articles on PTSD and trauma. But onto your marriage, there's just several steps that you're going to need once you get past that big place of okay, we know what to do. We will do this. Here are a few steps we can do. And I do think, like I said, they fit in somewhat culturally too. Uh, The first one is compassion and empathy shown verbally and non-verbally. So when your spouse says, I've got something really major going on and I need to talk about it with you, or I'm angry about it, or I'm really hurt, or you notice a behavior and you say, I notice you seem angry, hurt, distant, what's going on? and you guys are trying to do some maybe basic level marriage work and it's not happening, that's when I want you to make sure that you have this time where you sit down and heal an attachment wound together and say, you know, feel like you have a wound here. Can we sit down and work at it? And I don't want you to do this as a perpetual root canal with each other because that's exhausting and daily doing this is not healthy for either of you. But you may have a couple weeks, maybe you're recovering from an affair and you need to do this every day for a while. So, you know, basing it on what's happening in the world and in your life or a grief situation, it may be a little more frequent. But otherwise, I would say try not to do this. Definitely not more than once a month otherwise. But I really want you to take that first step of compassion and empathy shown verbally and non-verbally. And we've already talked today and on other episodes about what really leaning in and listening looks like in a marriage. So that's what I want you to do. And that's what we're doing in our culture too, right? The next step involves forgiveness and action. You need to make sure that you are forgiving of others 
when they commit an offense against you. You don't want to drink the poison of unforgiveness. It's going to be kept in your body. You're going to be kept from your goals. I talk to a lot of spouses about that desire to watch and to catch people in the act and how much time it takes from them to do those things. And instead about letting your own heart and your mind and your instincts help you to know and to say and to be strong and to say what needs to be said without watching and babysitting a spouse because you really do have a purpose in this world outside of your spouse as much as I obviously love the marriage ministry and the marriage field at large whether you're a believer or not I really think that's important for you to take care of you so I wish more marriage ministries did this. I feel like we do nowadays but I think the older marriage schools of thought just kind of said once you do these things, you're going to be completely great and happily ever after. And I'm more like practical about it. Like forgiveness, sometimes you still have memories and it hurts, but you move on and you love each other and love changes over the years and it's dynamic and it's fascinating and you're best friends. And sometimes you're the most romantic two people that ever lived, but forgiveness looks like a choice. It looks like saying, I love you. I care about our mission. I don't want to lose the asset of our family and our mutual giftings, and I'm willing to move forward with you even though I'm still in pain. And I think that that's really important for you to realize that you don't have to be out of the pain in order to say you're human, and in your human woundedness, you made a mistake. And whether you're calling it sin or not, I don't know the situation. I don't know the backstory. All I know is that forgiveness is part of the healing process in every single culture, place, time with every person, with every relationship. So it has to be a step. And when I say forgiveness in action, I mean, you don't just say I'm sorry and continue to do the behavior that's wounding your spouse. Sometimes we do things to annoy our spouses and that's going to continue like the toilet paper roll argument over only now that argument is more like, go get toilet paper. No, we need to save it for others. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think you all need toilet paper personally. But anyway, I think that that's my self-preservation when stuff coming out. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe you deal with this with bidets. But, but I think action with forgiveness looks like you guys saying, what are we going to do to move forward differently on the big stuff? Because sometimes we even disagree about how to handle the big stuff. Let's be honest. And couples have helped me to see over the years, as I've said, yeah, sometimes we do, but we do actually find our way through. But John Gottman, the marriage researcher, talks about unsolvable problems for couples. So I'm kind of referring to those just because some of them that are a little easier, I think you're going to move past and forgive, take some action steps, and it's going to be great. But some of them, it might be that you keep having to see a triggering person like a an in-law or somebody who works with somebody. And so you need an ongoing action plan. You need boundaries in place. You guys need rules of the relationship. You might even and want to put your rules on the wall as a fun, beautiful symbol of the growth you've done, like renewed vows or a covenant. Uh, I know we have a covenant over our bed and it's a nice plaque that we got at a conference that we went to with Family Life years ago. And my brother always teases us because he was like, oh my gosh, why did you get that covenant when you were like one month into marriage? And we're like, you know what? Because we still do. (laughs) And we still do. We're heading into our 19th wedding anniversary and we've been together for well over 20 years. So we still do, but it was funny and it makes us giggle to think how we were like, we still do. And it was like one month after our wedding, but make sure you do action steps like that. And we've had to do some bigger steps too. So I think that 
action looks like love and it looks like grace, but it also looks like tough love and saying, Hey, if you want to run this race with me and walk this walk with me and be part of my safe tribe, here's what I need from you. And I have forgiven you, but in order to move forward as a couple with you, here's what I need. And to be very clear about that because you're worth it. The last thing I think you need, and sometimes this cycle is going to go you know, through it. You might go through it a few times, like I said, but the last thing you need is a new narrative about the story of the marriage. Because I think that when we just point fingers and say, you're just a hater and you don't understand me at all and you never will, I think it's really important that you look at that carefully and say, are you for sure about that? Because even Jesus said, if you who's without sin be the first to cast a stone. So writing a new narrative about the story doesn't mean that you get the control and that that person is the villain and that you're the hero in it and that the villain finally changed. Sometimes the narrative of the story looks like you guys just healed because you did your work and you understood each other and you took some time to really understand And to realize, wow, there was a backstory even before the affair ever started. Wow. Or our personality types, we just couldn't see past things. Or I just grew up in this culture and I had these particular wounds and hurts. And my spouse had these particular wounds and hurts. When you do this, when you're able to powerfully look past, even if the story is truly like you're like, we've kind of both agreed I was just being immature or they were or selfish or greedy. One great way to spin that narrative for real is, you know what? We have grown. This marriage is transformed and we are different people than we used to be. That's a beautiful testimony, right? Yeah, it addresses some seven reframes. It says everything we know research says, not just seven stuff, but you do need to walk through the pain together, sometimes cyclically, again and again. Like I said, if you're going through something huge, we've been there. But you really also have to be able to say, Moving forward, I'm telling a new story and I'm not going to keep telling the same old tale to myself, my spouse, and our families because we're moving forward in a healthy way and we're living today. And even when we look at the past, we now have a narrative of healing. And I think it's really important that you guys understand when you look at PTSD research and Bessel van der Kolk and the many in the recent years who have studied trauma, you realize that creating a safety around the story and an understanding of the story is better than just repeating it endlessly. When Glenda did her trauma training with me for pastors and coaches and counselors, she was really reminding us of that, that the old trauma research said, just keep retelling the tale again and again and again. But we know now that the safe place and the reprocessing of it in a healthy manner is excellent and is everything. So make sure that when you're being compassionate and forgiving and developing your action plan that you also start speaking differently about the relationship and the journey and you talk about we language instead of you and I but we and we're moving forward and and yet there is an I because you are a person who needs self-care and when your spouse doesn't agree with you on things you need to be able to have health for yourself or take those times to set the boundaries that you need to and we need to do that in culture too right we need to be able to forgive hold compassion hold space write a new story instead of just being really phobic about admitting oh, I was actually wrong there. We just need to say, you know what I was? And this is awkward sometimes. And I think you're probably awkward sometimes. And we both have a history, but let's really try to make sure 
that we see each other and that we stand up for all people. And some of that is going to come through you learning to balance. So I do have an awesome new freebie for you guys this week called the 27 subtype workbook so that you can really understand you and your spouse's subtype and learn to balance better together and say, wow, I have an error where I really am in self-preservation mode. And that's probably why I don't care as much about social awareness or you are so extreme with it that you forget everyone in the home. And it gives you guys a sense of knowing how to balance and shift a little bit differently. So make sure you grab that at reflectionscc.com and enneagramandmarriage.com. I have it up at both places and it's a really important freebie for you guys to grab this week. I really want you to stand up for what's most important for you. I didn't share these trauma tips so you could keep being abused. I hope you're not being abused, but if you are, you really need to take that to the domestic violence helpline. Because that's an issue that comes up sometimes, I do want you to have that number so that you can call them if you need to. But that number is... 1-800-799-7233 and they have a live chat and you can talk to them about what's going on if you're living with somebody with trauma and you guys might be able to get some help together. Definitely you need a boundary if you're being abused and and you'll need to separate and you'll need to take some time in many cases to get healthy yourself so that you are not codependent on them and their anger and you find out how you invited that in and of course you would never do that intentionally but we just have old patterns and triggers so it's important that you do your work and I feel like really good about everybody listening at this point in the podcast because I know you're doing your work I know that you're trying to be as healthy as you can in culture and the beautiful changes we're seeing are because of people like you being humble and willing to learn and to work hard. I want to see this fly in your marriages too, guys. I know what you're capable of. I want to see you grab that freebie on your subtype so that you can be more open-minded with your spouse and with you and catching things about you guys and knowing your shadow sides. I know you're capable of seeing things from another side. I know you're capable of loving people right where they're at. I know you're capable of cutting people off when they're really toxic. And I want you to do all of that in your marriage. And I want to hear about it. So let me know how it goes. And I hope you have a marvelous week getting healthy yourself and getting healthy as a couple and as a world with all of us. Bye guys.